Well, I'm excited about this series. It's something that is, is, uh, a lot of people have been talking about and talking about just what is going on in the world today. Our world is changing. Have you ever noticed that? It changes. Things change. It may have seemed like things were the same for a while, but, but then things change and people change and culture changes. And we talked last week about what culture is and how sometimes they redefine words and that it's important for us to make sure that we, we know what people are talking about so we can communicate with each other and really care about them. So today I want to talk about, about canceling culture, canceled, cancel. But to do that, uh, you may have seen this commercial a while back. How many use Facebook ever? You've ever been on there ever? You know how that works, right? You know how it works. You know what you do with your pictures and you share pictures. Okay, well, let's take a look at this video. You'll see. Instead of mailing everyone my vacation photos, I'm saving a ton of time by posting them to my wall. Ooh, I like that one. It's so quick. It's just like my car insurance. I saved 15% in just 15 minutes. I saved more than that in half the time. I unfriend you. That's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. 15 minutes for a quote isn't okay. how it works anymore. With each year in seven and a half minutes. Oh, uh, my favorite part of that is, that's not how this works. And I love that because she turns to her friend and she goes, I unfriend you. <laughs> it's just, has, have any of you been unfriended? I have. Oh, you don't know? Okay, well, I've, I've been on. <laughs> What's funny about that is you don't always know. And then you might notice, wait, wait, I haven't seen anything on their post lately. And you go to their page and you realize, oh, wait, I'm no longer their friend. And, um, <laughs> and you've been unfriended. Or, I don't know if you're aware of this on Facebook. Some of you, the young people don't use Facebook. You realize that's for us older people. And um, the thing about Facebook is funny because you can cancel, like, if somebody's particularly bothering you, you can just silence them for 30 days. Have you seen that feature? Do you ever do that with each other? I mean, seriously? I know we're kidding, and now we're serious. You really do that. Do you know that you can, um, you can, I I forget exactly the terminology, you can unfriend somebody and them not know. You can still be friends with them, but then you don't see any of their posts anymore. And then, oh, thank you. It's unfollow. Somebody's helping me out here. You can unfollow them. So if they were to check, you're still their friend, but then you don't have to see anything they say. Or you can go the full, the full thing and just unfriend them. Boom, we're done. You're dead to me. Dead to me. It's funny, I, I, I had heard that phrase before. I thought that was like a mafia thing. You know, you're dead to me. And uh, so I, when I Googled that, I, I, there's even a show about that. I didn't even know that. Some, I don't even know if it's a cable show or what, but I, it didn't make any sense to me. I'd never seen it before. But the concept I get, sadly, because we do that. And I've, you know, I remember years ago growing up and hearing about family members that weren't welcome in the family anymore for some really horrible thing that happened. And uh, a lot of families, we, we have that kind of thing. You know what shadow banning is? You heard of that yet? If you post certain things, and usually this has to do with politics, but if you post a certain thing, what they can do is, because it's their business, they own, I mean, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or whatever, Instagram, it doesn't matter. They own it. So what they can do is just turn down the amount of people who see what you post. So you may not know, but you just, nobody sees it, which is funny. It's funny to think you're talking, you know, have you ever talked to somebody on the phone and it cuts off and you didn't realize it? <laughs> and you're just talking and then at that point where they're supposed to say something like, uh-huh, you're like, you there? Like, can you hear me now? And then you start doing that other commercial, can you hear me now, commercial, and they couldn't, and you have no idea, and then they call back, and you're like, well, where was I at in my monologue when you, uh, 
Canceling somebody is an interesting thing, though, because our culture right now does that, and it's usually not that subtle. It's just like, you're done. You're just cut out of somebody's life because they disagree with maybe, maybe it's your point of view, maybe it's your politics, maybe it's your religion or whatever, but you're cut out. The thing about cancel culture is interesting because what it seems to do is there's no more discussion. You're just, it's just silence. Boom. Done. Um, it's funny because it can be about a lot of things. I don't really want to spend this series just talking about bad things in culture. What I want to talk about is good things in Christianity and how Christianity is so drastically different. And it's not as if every Christian for all history, we've all done everything right. But I want us to look at Christianity and see what it's supposed to be. So as we're doing, by the way, our Bible reading plan that we've been doing as a church ended on Friday. And those of you who've been doing that, you probably noticed that. And then, uh, so what I did is I invited everybody I could to a new reading plan for 40 days, which would take us kind of through the end of the year. But it's a, it's a challenge, and uh, it's, it's a big challenge. We'll basically read the New Testament in 40 days. So you're, it's a lot. I'm telling you in advance. You're reading like seven or eight chapters a day. So I, I want to remove any guilt or any, like some people are like, well, what if people see I didn't do my reading? Don't, that's not why we do it. I, that's not why we do it. We, I want you to do it and do it with us just, just so you can, you can gain the, the connection and the relationship not only to each other but more importantly to God and reading his word. So if you want to be part of that, it's on the YouVersion Bible app. I put a link for it in, in, our, um, in the notes for today. So all of that's there. Having said that, uh, as we were finishing up our reading plan, a couple, it's been a couple weeks ago, we were reading through chapter 12 of Romans and there were some scripture passages that jumped out at me in a way that I hadn't really read them before. And it has everything to do with cancel culture. Actually, it's the opposite of cancel culture. It's how we're supposed to do relationships. Read, let's start right here. It says right here in chapter 12, verse 9, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Wouldn't that be nice? Don't just pretend, but really love them. Then it says... Hate what, was, what is wrong. Wait a minute. Can you love and hate at the same time? You actually can. You can do two things at once. You can walk into chew gum. You can actually have two thoughts that maybe don't necessarily cancel each other out. You can actually don't pretend, love each other, really love them, and then hate what is wrong too. You can do both. You know you can do that. Hold tightly to what is good. So hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. I'm sure you caught all the main things in that, but let me just recap. Don't pretend, really love, hate wrong, hold tightly to good, love with genuine affection, honor each other, work hard and love enthusiastically, and we can go home now. Just do that, right? Yeah, just, do it. just do that. How about this? That was in the New Living Translation. I want to read at least verse 9 and 10 out of a couple other versions. Listen to how it's said in the New International Version. So remember, the New Living Translation said, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. In the NIV it says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. In the... In the uh, English Standard Version, it says, let love be genuine. And I love the, this word, abhor evil. 
That's a good SAT and, uh, uh, word right there for the high school students. Abhor. You don't, you, that doesn't come up in conversation very much, right? Do you ever abhor Brussels sprouts? I, I do. I'm just saying. I do. I abhor them. Um, okay, and I know what's going to happen. Somebody's, well, have you ever had them fried? Well, and bacon? I, I'll try that. <laughs> just saying. Okay, I'll take your word for it too. Abhor what is evil. Abhor is a huge word. I mean, in, in, the, in the New Living Translation, it said hate what is wrong. But when you say abhor evil, it, you, do you understand how evil is evil? We, we kind of make allowances for evil all the time. And like, it's okay a little bit, just a little bit. I'm not that up. I, mean, I don't want to be judgmental, you know. He's saying abhor evil. Hold fast to what is good. Hold to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. I love this line in the English Standard Version. Outdo one another in showing honor. In the IV it said, honor one another above yourselves. And in the New Living Translation, it said, how will tell you to love each other with genuine affection, take delight in honoring each other. Outdo each other in honoring each other. How could all those things go together? Because in our world today, it's almost like, no, 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 you can't do all those things. Either you have to accept everything or nothing. But that's not true. God actually asks us to discern good from evil, to love people and still hate what is evil. We can do that. And then hold tightly to what is good and honor one each other and celebrate each other. I know it's complicated, but you know what? Life is messy and we're supposed to do it. So wait, 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 wait. You know what I would rather do? I'd rather argue. Actually not, but still. Do you ever feel, though, that you want to defend yourself? Isn't that natural? That's human beings, right? If someone's going to cancel you and say, you're out of my life, I want to, like, but, but, but I should be able to get my side of the story heard. Or then you start to feel like, well, this is not fair, and I'm right, and, and they're wrong. And Social media is brutal, by the way. I'm going to say this. I've said this for a long time. It's not a good place to have a conversation about these things. It's just not. You, you can't really communicate. It's, there's, you know, so many of the words we use are so emotional, and there's no context, and you can't. You, and then other people are misinterpreting and you see it and it's for eternity and it's just my recommendations don't do that there what if it happens at work what if you're canceled at work what do you do can you do all those things that that we just read about can you not pretend really love hate wrong hold to what's good love with genuine affection on each other work hard and serve the lord enthusiastically can you do that i think you can what if it happens at school what do you do? Can you still act like a Christian in the world that we're in that's kind of just cancel, you're done? Yes. Yes, you can. Not only yes, you can, but yes, you can. And yes, you should. And yes, it's hard. I think some people have totally misinterpreted Christianity. That it's all about angels on little clouds and harps and fairy dust and it's just easy. It's not. You know what's easy? It's easy just to go with the flow and go with the world. It's easy. Do whatever they're doing, that's easy. It's not easy when you're the one standing there and saying, no, I'm going to somehow find a way to hate what is evil, cling to the good. He literally said two things that sound like you can't do at the same time. Hate what's evil, cling to what's good. Honor people. You're supposed to honor people. You're supposed to outdo each other in honoring them. You cannot do that and cancel at the same time. But you can do that if you're hating the evil and clinging to the good. It goes on, though. It doesn't end there. And I, I don't want to be simplistic about this. 
I mean, what do you do when this, this happens in other relationships in your life? What do you do with all this? I'll tell you. Don't pretend. Really love. Hate wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love with genuine affection. Honor each other. Work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. What if your feelings are hurt? Don't pretend. Love, really love. Hate wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love with genuine affection. Honor each other and work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. What if you do... What do you do if you just feel crazy alone, like you're the only one? Don't pretend. Really love. Hate wrong. Hold tightly to good. Love with genuine affection. Honor each other. Work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. You're supposed to do what Jesus said to do. I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but do you realize he was canceled? (laughs) Do you realize they didn't want to hear what he had to say? So they thought the best thing to do was just shut him up. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about the fact that if you read carefully, remember the story, Jesus' friend Lazarus is sick. He gets word. And they said to him, your good friend is sick. Come quick. Jesus tells his disciples, I'm going to give it a minute. It's not unto death. They wait. They get there. He's dead, right? Jesus raises him from the dead. What do the Jewish leaders say? Now we got to kill them both. That's what they said. Everybody's following this Jesus now. He raised Lazarus from the dead. Here's their solution. Cancel Jesus, cancel Lazarus. Actually deal with what Jesus was preaching? No, no, we can't do that. He's canceled. Done. How many people have canceled Jesus over the years? Because his message is just too harsh. It's too, too heavy. It's too... <laughs> you, he actually calls you to come and die, to come and die with him carry your cross there's good parts of christianity nice fuzzy warm things that's awesome but it's not all that a lot of it's sacrifice you there's no way you can outdo honoring one another and not give up a little of you you can't serve each other if 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 you are are just concerned about you how do you think christianity overthrew the roman government The most powerful empire in its day controlled everything. Everything. Do you think Christianity overthrew the Roman Empire by arguing with them all the time? By having just the best arguments? Do you think they did it by coercion or social media posts? They did not. You know how they did it? I gotta go back. Here's how they did it. Don't pretend, really love, hate wrong, hold tightly to good, love with genuine affection, honor each other, work hard, and serve the Lord enthusiastically. That's how they did it. I usually give you context when I give you a scripture passage. But just to remind you here, the Christians of their day, they didn't have privilege. They didn't have status. They didn't have power. They didn't have money. They didn't have property. They didn't have positions. They had love and forgiveness. That's what they had. I didn't give you context, but I just kind of blew by it on purpose. Who wrote it? What did we just read? (laughs) This is one of those tests like, it it was five minutes ago. (laughs) It was a book of Romans, but what is that? What is the book of Romans? You can talk in church right here a little louder. than. It's a letter from who? From Paul. Who was Paul? He was an apostle. He had been a Pharisee, and then he converted to Christianity. Very educated Jewish guy. 
So he's writing to who? To Romans. And who were they? They were not. Yeah, they were not Jewish. And actually, this church he had never been to before. But he was writing in advance. So different than some of the other letters he wrote where he actually founded the church and trained them in Christianity. This church was started by somebody else. So he wrote this letter kind of preparing the way for him to get there. So in this letter, we have a better, more light, laid out, like entire idea of what Christianity is than most of his other letters. Because those other letters, he's dealing with problems or answering specific questions. This is like a, a letter preparing the way. It's really interesting. So remember what he told them to do? And the culture that they were in, the cancel culture they were in. Some of you, you know, I know, you know, we might complain about this culture and what's going on today. I guarantee you it was different then and maybe worse. When did he write it? Does anybody know? I'll tell you. He wrote it. He was at, in Corinth, to a church he wrote other letters to, 1 and 2 Corinthians. They, we think he was in a three-month stay there. He was in his third missionary journey, probably the winter of 57, 58 A.D. Some of you may be thinking, we know that very specifically like that? Yeah, we actually do. Yeah, there's so much historical documentation for all this. We know exactly where he was during that time. Well, what was happening? If he wrote it in 57, 58, do you know what happened in 64 AD? In Rome, the church he's writing to? That's when Rome burned. And most historians think that either Nero set the fire or he did kind of what politicians do and they make the best of a bad situation because Nero wanted to rebuild this whole commerce area with his own structures and his own government to self-aggrandize him. And he couldn't get the people cleared out, so mysteriously a fire rose. And that's where we get the kind of, and we don't know if this is fact or, or just legend, but Nero fiddled while Rome burned. That was 64 AD. Do you understand the, the situation they were in, the culture, can, cancel culture? And then once everybody turned on Nero, then he put the Christians up as the problem. And then that's when the persecution of Christians started. That's when the throwing them to the lions. Yes, that really did happen. Yes, all of that happened. Taking their property, everything they did to them. They rounded up. They did human sacrifices with them. They crucified them up and down. There's one historical account where Nero threw a party and he took Christians and he mounted them. I say that he skewered them on poles covered them in oil and lit them on fire and used them to light his party. That's a cancel culture. Paul's writing to them. You know what he said to them? Don't pretend. Really love. Hate wrong. Hold tightly to good. Love with genuine affection. Honor each other. Work hard and serve the Lord. Then in 70 AD, the temple is destroyed fulfilling in Jerusalem, fulfilling Jesus' prophecy that no stone would be left unturned. Paul was martyred somewhere. We don't know that exact date, but we think it was somewhere around 65 AD, so just a few years after this writing. I'll tell you, it's interesting because all that happened right there in the first century, and then by the year 325, Christianity is the, the main religion of all the Roman Empire. And there are churches all over Asia Minor, all over Greece, all over Rome, and Italy. How did that happen? Again, they, had no, they didn't have the power to shut down institutions and say that th these things were wrong. They didn't have any of that. What they had, though, is a power that's actually stronger than all of those things. 
a power that, that defies all of that. What they were doing is living out, really, the Sermon on the Mount. So when Jesus said, turn the other cheek, and when Jesus said, if somebody requires you walk a mile, walk two. And when they say, give me your coat, you give them your coat and your cloak both. You give them everything. You go above and beyond. Who does that? Christians do that. That's Christianity. That's how it works. Current culture says cancel, says burn down systems. It says hate is okay if it's directed at the right ideas and the right people. It says that revenge is okay. Paul, who wrote this, goes on. He says, rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Look at the main things he says. Rejoice, be patient, keep praying, be ready, be eager. He didn't stop there. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Who does that? Christians do. I got to read it again. I'm sorry. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy for those who are happy. Weep with those who are weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Do you remember last week when the scripture we read said the same thing, basically? Nobody likes that. Bless those who persecute you. That is completely countercultural in any culture, but especially today more than ever. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Praying that God would bless them? It's like, I think it was Abraham Lincoln said, the best way to get rid of an enemy is to make them a friend. I'll tell you this, it's really hard to be mad at someone that you're praying for every day. When you're praying for them, I, I was talking with a young man, he, he had a horrible situation going on in his home and really angry with his mom. And I gave him this charge to pray for her every day. He goes, what am I supposed to pray? I said, I, I don't know, it's your, your mom. Pray that God will bless her. Help her with what, what is she struggling with? What does she do all day? Pray that God would help her with what she's doing and the relationship she has and, and everything. And the more you do that, the more you get to know people in a way that you, you wouldn't even have guessed. And it changes your heart and mind. Bless them. Be happy with happy. Sad with sad. Live in harmony. Don't be too proud. Be or, don't think you know it all. He keeps going. This is one of those passages of scripture like, okay, we got enough already. No, no, no. Let me add a few more. Paul's famous for this. He just keeps piling on. Never pay back evil with more evil. Again, very countercultural. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends. Okay, you got this. In verse 17, never pay back evil for evil. Dear friends. He felt the need to, resp- to repeat this. Never take revenge. Our culture is all about revenge. It just is about revenge. I mean, they dress it up in other terms, but it's revenge. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I'll pay them back. The Lord says, leave it to God. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. And in doing this, you'll heap burning coals on shame on their heads. And he ends this passage in verse 21 Do not let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. The implication there, if you reverse that, is that if you do not do that, then evil conquers you. Did you catch that? And I I guess it's a sad thing, but as that evil gets into your heart and mind, it festers and grows, and it's something that you ultimately can't control, and it just starts to control you. 
When you look at that, it just, it's kind of a scary thought to think, don't let evil conquer you, but, but conquer evil by doing good. If you let it in you, it consumes you. Sadly, there's, there's no forgiveness in our culture today. And ironically, I mean, the church has been accused of this forever. And there have been seasons in the church where I heard this phrase from a friend of mine. He said, use it, graceless moralism. We're all about the rules, and we do it in a graceless way. Now the world does that. They've got different rules, but they're very graceless in it. And You're canceled. So angry. Paul was telling the Romans, do whatever you can to live out the gospel in a world that hates you. But don't revenge. Love them, love them, love them. Last week, I, we talked about God and love. And the reason we said is because God's very nature is love. It's who he is. If I could have Pastor Nick join me. He doesn't try to love. He is love. It's who he is. Now, for us as humans, a lot of times we, we want to act in a loving way, but it's difficult for us to do that. And when we say, don't do revenge, instead bless them, that's not natural. But we have to try to do it. We have to work through that. So what does it mean for you to do all these things? I'm not saying it's easy. Don't get me wrong. God knows it's not easy. And he knows it's not fair. And he knows it doesn't come from you. But how do you do it? Uh, let me just tell you this principle. God doesn't tell you to do something and then leave you alone to do it. He always empowers you to do it. He doesn't leave you alone. He's not like that. I've often thought of it like this. It's not like God and Jesus are up there and like, hey, let's make it really hard for them to get up here. And then as you get close, he just kind of pops you down like in that, that Christmas story. Remember that movie? You guys watch that every year? And the kid's trying to climb up to Santa and the elf just pushes him down the slide. That is not God. He does not do that. What he does is he expects this of you, then he helps you do it. How do I know that? Well, let's go back to the context, the first part of that chapter. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be living a living and holy sacrifice, the fine kind he finds acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Okay, here's what he's saying. You can't do this on your own. But give me you, all of you, your body, all of you, and then I will change you and help you to do this. If you try to do it, you won't be able to do it. You know, there are some nice people in here. Janine might be the nicest person in the building. I'm not sure. But she's really nice. She could probably do it. I can't. Most of us can't. We can't. That's why he says, give us your bodies and we will, God will help you do this. Look what verse 2 says. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. And King James says, do not conform. Do not be pressed into their way of doing things. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I hope you catch this. You giving yourselves to God transforms you. I don't know about you, but a lot of times I'm like, okay, I'm good with that. But what about them again? Because they need changed. And God keeps saying, I'm going to change you and I'm going to work on them. You do you. You give yourself as a living sacrifice and then he works on you. Let God transform you. And with anything, it's always important to know the why before the what. Why? Because God has done all of this for you. 
I'm going to ask you to shut your eyes for a second. I don't know what you all are walking through. We all have such individual lives and so many things going on. I don't know what, as I've been speaking this today, some of you may be thinking of a work situation, a school situation, maybe a family situation, maybe just something in the world or someone you've run into or someone you associate with. But when it comes down to this, it comes down to us. And as you've been thinking about them, that's fine. And we will pray for them in a minute. But what I really think this is about is us. Us giving God our everything. Because by ourselves, there's no way we can fulfill what he's called us to do. It's just impossible. There's no way we can do it. We want to do it, but we can't. We, we tend to pretend we don't really love. We, we tend to not hate what is wrong. And we don't hold tightly enough to what is good. And we don't really love with genuine affection. And we struggle to honor one another. And The only way to do this is if we give him ourselves and then he transforms us. Then it's possible for you to not pretend, to really love, hate wrong, hold tightly what is good, love with genuine affection, and honor one another. I'm going to ask a question this morning, and I just, I just want you to answer it in your own heart and mind. You don't have to raise a hand. You don't have to move at all. But I'm wondering if anybody's struggling with this at all. If maybe online you're struggling with it. And there's things that you're just thinking, God, I don't know what to do with the situation, and it's just not fair, and it's not. Here's what he's saying to do. Love. Give. Be honorable. Do those things. Keep doing those things. And what he's saying is give yourself to him, and he will transform you from the inside so that your heart reaction is different than the natural reaction. He will do that. If you're here and you need that today, and if you're watching and you need that today, that transformation from the inside out, I want you to pray this prayer with me as I pray. And as I pray, I'm going to also pray for those people because he does want you to bless them and we're going to bless them today. I want you to join me in this prayer. Why don't we do this? Why don't you stand as we pray and we'll join together in this prayer this morning. Father, we come before you, each and every one of us. We want to live like this, but it's hard to do because we're human and we've, we've been frustrated or maybe hurt or maybe there's things going on that we don't have answers to and seem so complicated and unfair. And God, I just pray for each and every one of us that you would transform us. God, we give ourselves to you as a holy and living sacrifice. and We ask that you would take our hearts and minds and that you would work the changes that need to happen in us, that you would help us to want to put other people first and we would want to love truly and honestly and we'd want to not have revenge and all of those things that Paul told the Roman church. God, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would do that work in us now. God, we give ourselves to you. Help us to help us to fully give ourselves to you so you can fully make that change. God, we pray a blessing over everyone that cancels, everyone. God, we just pray for them. We pray, God, that you would bless those people in our lives, whoever they are. God, that you would bless them, that you would provide their needs. That you'd give them every one of their needs, financially and emotionally and relationally. God, we pray for their heart and soul, that they would know you as Savior. They would come to know you and their lives would be changed. God, we pray that you would protect them from any harm that would come physically or emotionally. God, bless them in every way. Just shower them with blessings in the name of Jesus. We pray that over them. And God, we want them to be blessed. In Jesus' name we pray.
God bless you this morning. As you leave this place, I just challenge you to keep thinking those thoughts, thinking about who you can bless. God bless you. Have a great day. See you next week.